Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Friday, December 4th, 2015. Now, as much as I hate leaving the week off with a bad sermon, we're going to do our, a normalish episode of Fighting for the Faith today. So, yeah, I feel like I need to catch up. tuning in. This is Fighting for the Faith. I am Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is a program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. No shortage of crazy things being said out there. We actually take the time to, you know, open up our Bible. Yeah, Have you heard of this thing? Um, yeah, yeah, it has pages and everything, and you you can even get it on the internet, you know, like for free. But we actually open up our Bibles and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God to test and see if what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-proclaimed apostles and apostolettes, uh, see what they're saying, if it actually squares with what God's Word says in context, or if they're twisting God's Word mangling it, not engaging in proper hermeneutics and good exegesis, and are basically generally teaching for shameful gain that the things that they ought not to teach, you know, scratching, itching ears. You know, the Bible actually warns about this. And uh, in fact, while we're, while we're talking about it, let's take a look at it. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, a verse that we go to often here. And uh, here's what the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says to young Pastor Timothy, he says, I charge you, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who's to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and doctrine. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Yeah, and so here we are, where I think we're in that time that the Apostle Paul prophesied, un, you know, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so our goal here at Fighting for the Faith is to proclaim the truth, teach you the proper skills to protect you and your family and your friends from being deceived by the deceivers out there who are doing a whole lot of ear-scratching but not a whole lot of proclaiming of sound doctrine. So uh, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Like I said at the beginning of the program, yeah, I, it, uh, 
you you take some days off to, to tend to other things, and then you you get back into the saddle, so to speak, or I should say, uh, get back behind the helm, and uh, here in the uh, at the uh, pirate cave in North Dakota. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm one of these landlocked uh, pirates. It's it's a little awkward, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, oh, Roseboro. Yeah, I you just think about the things that I do here. Anyway, so uh, here I am, a landlocked pirate in the pirate cave in North Dakota, looking out at the snow. But yeah, totally different thing. And and so because of the you know the week that was, and you know I'm trying to get back into the routine. And there's stuff I want to get to, and normally, I, you know, what we, tr- we, we have a rhythm here at Fighting for the Faith. We have a rhythm. I've got rhythm. And the whole rhythm has been totally thrown off. I just, yeah. So we're going to just throw you a curveball, and we're going <laughs> to do a normal episode of Fighting for the Faith. With this exception, just like yesterday, today's episode, yeah, not so much on the theme. There's a couple of segments that work together and then there's one that doesn't, and then and then there's one that's kind of, yeah. Anyway, so this episode of Fighting for the Faith, no, no, no theme. So let's talk about what we're going to do, and then we will get to it, and hopefully we'll have time to get to all of this. We're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange syndicate update. Uh, Katie Sousa recently had a live webcast yeah, where she released the thousandfold blessing. Yeah, I, I know you all were waiting for that. I, you know, <laughs> I've been waiting for the thousandfold blessing to arrive here um, like you wouldn't believe. But uh, in fact, it's been years, you know, that we've, I've been, you know, sitting on pins and needles at the beginning of every year when all the prophets say that, you know, that that, that impartation of release of blessing and in, in money and in, in God's whatever's are going to be coming. They never show up. I just, you know, and, uh, you know, I was musing about this the other day on social media. You know, I, this is what I do sometimes on social media. You should follow me if you don't follow me on social media. Uh, but if, understand this. If you retweet or uh, like something that I've said on Facebook or Twitter um, and or you, you you're foolish enough to, like, share it, um, you could lose friends. I, you know, I, I do want you to know that. Uh, some of your church friends might think, oh, my goodness, you've become the most judgmental person in the whole wide world. When did you become the Bible police? Yeah, this is what happens if you uh, repost or retweet any of the things that I do. But um, <laughs> so I was basically, you know, I sent out a, a Facebook status and a, and a Twitter tweet. I hate that word, by the way. I sent out a Twitter tweet, you know, basically asking the prophets, where's my, you know, hundredfold blessing here, you know, and when I put this out, it was like the end of November. Here we are, you know, first week of December. And, uh, you know, I remember very distinctly going into the year 2015, you know, I was supposed to be getting all these, this was the year, you know, 2015 was the, this was the year of my, you know, thousandfold impartational blessing. Um, you know, I was supposed to get a, a private jet, I, apparently. I mean, that's, you know, you shoot for the moon, right? You know, Creflo Dollar does. But <laughs> so, and, and none of the stuff arrived, you know, and, and, you know, I kept checking the mailbox. Um, I would sit out on the porch watching the UPS truck go by and that, and he never would bring a box with like the thousand fold blessing in it. So I very upset about that, but <sighs> there's always next year, but <laughs> So anyway, so Katie Sousa, back, you know, just like a week ago, you know, had a special live web 
podcast thingy and um, where she was releasing the thousand fold blessing. So, you know, as, as a service to you, the listeners of Fighting for the Faith will be uh, <laughs> rebroadcasting some of that webcast yeah, just, just to, um, well, you know. And uh, now, if you remember the last update that we did from uh, uh, from William Tapley, yeah, William Tapley, you know, I I was wondering, you know, if uh, how long it would be before the Illuminati tried to t- uh, basically shut him down. Well, William Tapley is actually claiming, yeah, he's claiming that his YouTube channel has been attacked by the Illuminati, and uh, so <laughs> we're gonna check in with that. And uh, since we're under the, you know, we'll be under the doom and gloom um, (laughs) uh, umbrella of fighting for the faith for our segments, we're going to check in with uh, Jim Baker. Yeah, they're in full damage control uh, mode now. They're totally spinning things, you know. And so he's emphatically claiming now, emphatically preaching now that something did take place during the four blood moons. Something did take it took place. It did. It did. And I found it absolutely hilarious. I kind of on a side note. Hang on a second. I got to check my uh, my Facebook wall. Uh, all right. Somebody posted a link to this on my Facebook wall. I should send out a link to it myself. That... Um, <laughs> that National Public Radio, NPR, actually tried Jim Baker's survival food buckets. And, um, (laughs) yeah, um, yeah, so, um, how do I put this? Um, after reading the story, apparently they didn't think it was all that good either. And, uh, and, uh, you know, there's a video of the guy, uh, the chef from Brooklyn basically saying it was just terrible stuff. Um, and, uh, and one of the, uh, the NPR folks basically said, after tasting it myself, I'm going to have to say no thanks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, he- here's the, here's the idea. Um, you know, should the apocalypse show up and you've purchased, you know, thousands of dollars worth of Jim Baker's, uh, survival food buckets, uh, you know, apocalyptic food buckets, you, you have, you know, at that point, you're going to have one of two choices. Yep. Uh, choice number one, you're going to have to enjoy the taste of something that is, well, uh, the t- it tastes some, some th- somewhat worse than, you know, dog food, or you're going to have to die. Yeah, those are your two choices. Um, and uh, But, of course, we here at Fighting for the Faith, you know, uh, as a service to the apocalyptic prepper crowd that uh, has, um, you know, become the following that Jim Baker has – we here at Fighting for the Faith are selling our uh, our own uh, uh, apocalyptic, uh, well, product. It's uh, the Four Blood Moons Fiery Shmita Sauce. Yeah, it's a cayenne, uh, cayenne pepper hot sauce uh, that will spice up and, well, help save your taste buds, uh, you know, during the apocalypse. And so you can actually purchase this at fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the bake sale link up there, and, uh, and uh, our... Four Blood Boons Fiery Shmita Sauce makes a great stocking stuffer. So um, you can pick it up for $8.95 plus shipping and handling, and uh, we'll send one out to you. Or if you want to buy more, we can send a few more if you if you like. But, uh, you know, but yeah, like I said, the NPR crowd actually <laughs> tried it, and um, it's, yeah, no good. No bueno. Yeah, so, uh, but uh, we'll so we'll check in with Jim Baker. Jim Baker's basically claiming, you know, that uh, something did happen, and he he keeps emphatically saying, talking like this, 
uh, somewhere and then we'll take a break. And then we're going to do a, a vision casting leader update. Um, did you know, I, I, I had no idea about this, by the way. Did you know that, uh, well, you know, God's word, you know, the, the law says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it says, love the Lord your God with all your mind. Yeah. So if you're not loving God with both sides of your brain, yeah, that would mean your right lobe and your left lobe. Yeah. If you're not loving God with all of your brain and you're not being creative enough, well, then you're apparently, um, yeah, you're just not obeying God. And so we're going <laughs> to, now I, you thinking, no, you, you, you can't be serious. Yeah, actually I am. Yeah, um, that's what Mark Batterson um, <laughs> is saying here. <laughs> so are you loving God with both your right and left brain is the best uh, thing I have to ask you. So we'll be listening to part of the audio from a uh, lecture delivered by Mark Batterson at the Catalyst Next 2015 conference. Yeah, so um, and again, the idea here is is that you know you got to love God with you know both sides of your brain. Otherwise, you're disobeying God. And then we're going to check in with Rick Warren. Yeah. Did you know that God wants you to learn how to be both fast and, and slow? Yeah, I know it's it's one of those paradoxes that just could, you know, blow your mind. Yeah, it's it's true. So <laughs> God wants you to be both fast and slow. And then in hour number two, we're going to check in with uh, Jennifer Evaz, Jennifer Evaz, and uh, a sermon she recently delivered entitled, You're a King, Make the Decree. You're a King, Make the Decree. So that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We have a, a ton, a, I mean, a, a ton of ground that we need to cover. And uh, so since we're going to begin with a prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update, that requires us to do this. <laughs> at an English fair one evening I was there when I heard a showman shouting underneath the flare I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts there they are standing in a row big one small one some as big as your head give them a twist a flick of the wrist that's what the showman said I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts every ball you throw will make me rich there stands me wife, the, the idol of me life, singing roly bowly ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowly ball a penny a pitch. Singing roly bowly ball a penny a pitch. Roly bowly ball, roly bowly ball, singing roly bowly ball a penny a pitch. That's right, I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. It's time for a Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate update. We're going to be checking in with uh, Katie Sousa from a recent two-hour-long uh, two webcast in which Katie Sousa was directed by God to release the thousandfold blessing. Now, you, you probably have heard of the hundredfold blessing. Yeah, well... Yeah, that that the, the thousandfold blessing will make the hundredfold blessing look like kids play. So here's Katie Sousa to explain to us what it is that God has told her to do on this webcast by releasing the thousandfold blessing. Here we go. 
Hi, everyone. It's Katie Souza with Expected In Ministries, and welcome to our live web stream. Thanks for joining us tonight. This is such an exciting night. I have been waiting with anticipation for like three weeks to do this event. Tonight, I'm going to be teaching on two revelations. Okay, the Deuteronomy 111 thousand fold increase. I'm going to. The, the Deuteronomy 111 thousand fold increase. Sounds official, you know. And when you start talking government talk like that, yeah. Explaining that in a bit. And I'm going to be doing it in impartation on it so that you can receive it too and see. No way. Finally. Uh, man, I tell you, you know, I've been waiting all year for this, for these blessings that I was supposed to get in 2015. I mean, talk about the 11th hour. Manifest in your life in the ways that we and other people across the country have been seeing it. And then I'm going to be teaching right after that about the thing in your life in this season that God showed me. Yeah. That enemy's assignment that he has been putting on people's businesses their homes oh no oh maybe that's why my thousand fold blessing hasn't come already it, yeah it may have been that uh, the devil you know was attacking my business i had no idea oh oh that devil he's a rascally one you know their ministries, their projects that is squeezing out their ability to succeed, to grow, to flourish, to prosper. It's a hidden, sneaky assignment of the enemy that God unveiled and revealed to us. And as we've been going across the country and... Wow, I'm so glad that God finally unveiled and revealed all this stuff to, you know, somebody as <clears throat> reputable as Katie Souza, you know. Teaching these revelations... Man, the breakthroughs and the miracles that are happening are just astonishing, okay? Oh, I bet, yeah. They, whew, blow your mind kind of miracles. Just amazing what God has been doing when I teach these two things that I'm going to be teaching tonight. That's why this is an elongated web stream this evening, because I need to connect for you these two revelations so you can get a full manifestation of something you know have you ever yeah I, I hate those half manifestations of stuff i mean it's it's like a polaroid picture that never quite develops you know it kind of stays kind of grayish and the colors never really pop hate when that happens had like an impartation for financial blessing happened you received it your faith was high for it but you never saw the manifestation it's because maybe there was something that was blocking it from actually coming to pass in your life we're gonna I see, yeah. So uh, the reason, yeah, see, that's it, you know. Um, apparently, the reason why my 2015, you know, blessings haven't arrived yet, even though the prophets said they would, big year of breakthrough and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, there, there was, there was blessing blockage. <sighs> I, I should have, I should have known there was blessing blockage and should have done something about it. What was I thinking? Deal with both ends of it. You're going to get an impartation tonight for the thousandfold increase, but you're also going to break off everything that's strangling yeah. your finances, preventing you from yeah. breaking your debt, preventing your business from going forward, yeah. preventing your ministry from succeeding, preventing your yeah. household from flourishing. So it's going to my be my household needs to flourish. Make my household flourish, Katie. An amazing, exciting night. Now, look, I am not normally a prosperity teacher. Yeah, normally you're just a complete wingnut who teaches false prophecy and twists God's word. I, yeah, so I, I'm with you on that. Okay, I don't preach a prosperity message, but I do preach a word with fervor, yeah. and I go for it. Yeah, when you go for it. You go, girl. God has shown me 
a, a now word, a season word, a, a, a word for this moment. Yeah. Wow. I mean, this is like really fresh stuff. I mean, if you hear this now word like next year, blah, yeah, it's no longer a now word. It's a then word. So those of you listening to the archives of Fighting for the Faith, you, you know, I hope you're listening to this now word now, not then, because then it's a then word, not a now word. That will break out for the body of Christ. And because I've been preaching this message and I've seen that breakout everywhere I go. Yeah, just like, you know, an Ebola, you know, thing. I had to give it to you. I remember I, I had had so much amazing things happen at the churches I've been going to mm -hmm. in the last four months. Yeah. I came home and I was like, I had this burden on my heart. I was like, God, I want to give this to everybody. This is amazing what's been happening. And he goes, you can't give it to everybody. Just do it on a web stream. It's like, duh. God, I got to give this to everybody. And God's all, hey, I got an idea. Wait, wait a second. I got to use my <clears throat> Holy Spirit voice. And it's like, so Katie Sousa is like, oh, I got to give this to everybody. Well, you know, um, you know, Katie, there's this thing called the Internet, of course. You know, um, I, I really don't know how to use it. But, you know, I've heard that there's these things called a webcast. And, um, yeah, you know, you, you, you can. You just can't get the word out. You just do one of those webcast thingies. I mean, that's I no, I can do it. I mean, I, I barely have a uh, I could barely send an email. But you go ahead and do that webcast and you can, like, get it out to everybody, Katie. It's like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And he goes, yes, and if you go and you do it and you're there, I'll be there to make it happen for the people. So the Holy Spirit apparently is present right now with this now word in the special webcast thingy that Katie <laughs> is doing where she's releasing the thousandfold blessing. Wow, that's just an amazing story, and uh, I don't believe a word of it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think you kind of get the idea. Um, moving along. Yep, time for a doom and gloom update. Doom and gloom coming soon. Listen to 30 Eagles tune. Doom and gloom. God is telling us the end is coming soon. Very soon. See signs up in the sun and stars and moon. Doom and gloom, very soon. Rapture comes at night or noon. Doom and gloom, very soon. If you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, that's right. That's William Tapley, Third Eagle of the Apocalypse, co-prophet of the end times. And the last time we did an update on uh, William Tapley, you know, I just was putting it out there. I mean, if he's really cracking all of these codes that the Illuminati is putting into iPad commercials, how long would it be before the Illuminati actually, well, you know, tried to take him out, you know, because, you know, he, I, <laughs> you know, you, you remember Scooby-Doo, you know, uh, that uh, th these bumbling kids would somehow end up solving some caper, right? And then, you know, it, I would have gotten away with it if it hadn't been for Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, you know, that can, those darn kids. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Apparently the Illuminati is sitting there, you know, biting their fingernails going, man, we would have gotten away with the Paris attacks if it hadn't have been for that William Tapley, you know. I wish I was making this up. Here's William Tapley uh, to explain the uh, recent attack on his YouTube channel. Here we go. Welcome to Revelation Unraveled. This will be just a very brief 
test video because just a few weeks ago I bought a new iPhone as an emergency backup because I have anticipated that the Illuminati will try to remove my channel from YouTube. Uh-huh, right, yeah. So whoever's in charge of the Illuminati, they're sitting in a smoke-filled room somewhere in a very highly internationally cool city, maybe like Prague. Yeah, they're sitting there and, and yeah, breathing in cigar smoke, and they're going, we've got to find a way. We've got to find a way to put William Tapley, Tapley's YouTube channel out of business. If he keeps, well, letting everybody know what we're doing, there's no way for us to continue to operate in the dark. It's as if God, the Holy Spirit, is somehow, you know, revealing to him the very things that we're saying in our secret bunker here. Yeah, right. In fact, just this past weekend, they succeeded in demonetizing a half dozen of my false flag videos. Uh huh. Yeah, the Illuminati demonetized. <laughs> William Tapley's videos. Maybe it's because, um, well, it has nothing to do with the Illuminati. It might have something to do with the fact that reputable corporations who are putting advertising out there, you know, on YouTube, don't want <laughs> their their <laughs> commercials to end up supporting the efforts of you know people who are into kind of wing nutty type of things you know claiming false flag attacks and stuff like that so there you go the illuminati have apparently <laughs> attacked william tapley who knew all right we're up on our first break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my mail address is talkback at fighting for the faith.com or you can subscribe on facebook Facebook.com forward slash Pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Pirate Christian. Quick break and we come back. Jim Baker update. We've got a Mark Batterson update as well as a Rick Warren update. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss him. We will be right back. Living a life of purpose can't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. <laughs> You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. Deep in the Australian wilderness, and also the typhoid infested waters of the Bongo River, Captain Worthington and his ragtag group of men have found themselves to be hopelessly lost. Surrounded by the vicious savages of the Hibuku tribe, and now the TP has run out. It's been 27 days without food, and Private Jenkins doesn't care. 
Oh, do shut up, Nigel. We don't need you narrating every little thing that goes on. It's bad enough already. We don't need you reminding everyone about it. Sorry. Now, gentlemen, the hour is dying. There's not much hope of us getting out of this predicament with our lives or sanity. What are we going to do, Captain? Well, we can do one of two things. We can either die in a blaze of glory, charging the Hibuku tribe in battle, or sit on the riverbank saying to ourselves, Oh, mommy, mommy, please make the bad people go away. I vote for the second one. Such a noise, you pansy. Now, Captain, I have an idea that might just save our hides from the impending doom on the other side of the tree line. Well, out with it, man. Out with it. I happen to have... In my possession, a copy of Zondervan's latest book, The Grimoire of Modern Prayer. Well, that's excellent news. We have TP again. Huzzah! Woo-hoo. No, no, no. We're not using it for that. Then what exactly are we using it for? Uh, it says this. With this volume, you can command and control the very will of God with relative ease. Oh. Uh, get... Are you sure we can do that? Well, the, the book says we can. Is there any proof? Well, Stephen Furtick did write the introduction where he explains how it's changed his life. Well, um, how does it work? Simple. We can choose from any one of these prayers. Captain Worthington, a book of approaching! Blasted! Perkins, get your act together and start reading from the book. It's our only chance. I don't know which one to read first. Uh, which ones do you have to choose from? Well, there's the Ascenting uh, Prayer, the Circle Maker Prayer, the Prayer of Jabez. The, the Circle One. Let's go with that one. Okay, the book says to draw a circle around what you're praying for. Well, that's us. Quick, men, draw a circle in the dirt around us. Step two, begin to pray for whatever it is that you're in need of. I really want a Ferrari. A Ferrari. You nitwit, we need protection. Now pray, audaciously. Oh, Lord, we are not going to leave this circle until you rescue us from our enemies. Amen. Thank God, Nigel! Are you sure? Pretty sure. Unless he can breathe without his head being attached to his neck. Oh, dear. Well, there goes our narrator. What are we going to do, sir? Well, the circle prayer didn't work, so let's try something else. Packins! Working on it, sir. I, I think I got it. I, I don't believe it, sir. The Hibuku the tribe didn't have catapults. Jumping Jehoshaphat. This next prayer had better work, Perkins. This one will work. It's the uh, it's the Sun Sandstone prayer. What good will that do? It's in the middle of the night. It doesn't matter what you think. This is sure to work. We just have to have audacious enough faith to ask God for the impossible. You heard the man. Get praying. I still want a Ferrari, a pet raptor, no debts. Ooh, and better sex. You're just not getting this, are you? Captain, they, 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 they now, now have, 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 Please tell us more. I can't tell you anymore tonight. It's past your bedtime, and tomorrow is a school day. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions 
because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture. I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Every summer for the past 15 years, youth have been immersed in the waters of their baptism at Higher Things Conferences. On January 2nd, we invite college students and young adults to the campus of Concordia University, Chicago for an evening spent drinking from the fire hose of the gospel. This unique Higher Things Lutheran Unconference will begin with a service of Vespers and end with evening prayer. In between, seven incredible Lutheran pastors will take the stage for just 20 minutes each. A sit-down dinner will be provided with a Q&A session with a speaker panel. Registration is just $100 per person. Go to higherthings.org for more information. That's higherthings.org. Warning, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that all these so-called prophets and prophetesses out there talking about 100,000-fold blessings are complete wingnuts and are just deceiving people. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. And you can partner with us if you've never partnered with us. By joining our crew uh, or sending in uh, a contribution, this would be a great time to do it. Um, Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. They are friendly and they are yellow. And uh, one of them says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. And uh, basically what you're doing is you're signing up to contribute every month a set amount of money. And it begins at $9.95 with the rank of Powder Monkey. And from there goes to twenty four ninety five to Gunner's Mate, and then you got Master Gunner at forty nine ninety five and Quartermaster at ninety nine ninety five. We are in the hunt right now, looking for the equivalent of six hundred new Powder Monkeys, so we can kind of go to phase two, if you would, of the new website and the things that we have planned uh, for Pirate Christian Media. You know, this includes publishing, it includes videos, it includes all, all kinds of stuff, maybe even Pirate Christian News, although I don't think we'll have a weather report. But these are the types of things that we're really looking into. But uh, in order to go to that next phase, we pay cash along the way here. We do not, uh, <laughs> literally, we do not, uh, you know, go into debt to do what we do. So if you've never partnered with us, please do so. Uh, join our crew, pick the rank that you would like to, and uh, of course, if you'd like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support, because we truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along, time for a Jim Baker update. And since we did a William Tapley update already, we got to play, well, verse two of William Tapley's song. Here we go. 
Don't be dumb. Rapture comes long before the seventh trump. Don't be dumb. It will be as in the days of Noah's flood. Rapture comes. Lot and Noah did not have to shed their blood. Don't be dumb. Rapture comes. Trim your wick or face the gun. Don't be dumb. Rapture comes. Fill your lamps. There won't be oil for everyone. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, that's right. Verse 2 of doom and gloom coming soon. All right, so... uh <laughs> You gotta just you gotta hand it to Jim Baker, man. I mean, this guy has got an empire to, uh, you know, to protect. You know, he's out there selling buckets of uh, dog food. At least <laughs> what people are saying. Yeah, dog food might actually t- taste better than <laughs> what he's selling. Yeah, you got a choice here. You can eat something that tastes worse than dog food, or you can die. You know, when the apocalypse arrives, and <laughs> so of course, four blood moons, fiery shmita sauce. That'll help. You know. Make Jim Baker's food buckets at least somewhat palatable. Somewhat spicy, though. But anyway, <laughs> so he, no joke, Jim Baker has, you know, gotten, gone to the airwaves, you know, on his uh, on his television program and is he's he's gotten to preaching. He's out there. Something did happen. He's insisting something did happen. And so, you know, regarding the four blood moons. So here's Jim Baker, a Full spin control, full damage control mode, trying to shore up the base and, you know, keep it from leaking out because, of course, you know, what happened with the four blood moons? Nothing. What happened with the Shemitah? Nothing. Yeah, um, so, I mean, you know, they're, they're in the past now and they're, they're in the rearview mirror. They're gone. Yeah, so here's uh, Jim Baker, you know, doing what he can to keep sales of his uh, <clears throat> untasty food up. Here we go. I'm going to show wonders in the heavens, in the earth below, in the bloodshed, in fire, in pillars of smoke. Yeah, Joel chapter 2, verse 30 from the King James. The sun shall be turned into darkness. People were having church the other day during the blood moon. And the pastor laughed, mocked, mocked the blood moon. Mock the blood moon because we preach the blood moon. And so he said, oh, I can't wait to get out of here. And, I, and I'm going to buy one of those generators cheap now because nothing's going to happen with a blood moon. <laughs> Little babies, the blood moon belongs to God. Oh, he's so, so serious here. Oh, yeah. Boy, that, that pastor. How dare that pastor mock the blood moons? The blood moons belong to God. Yeah, here's... <laughs> oh, this is terrible. <laughs> here's the problem, Jim, and I hope you're listening. Um, the blood moons talked about in Scripture. It's actually a blood moon. Has nothing to do with the four blood moons, which basically are naturally recurring lunar eclipses. That's all they are. You you want to know what a lunar eclipse means eschatologically in light of the, you know, of the end times? You want to know what it means? Nothing. 
Doesn't matter if there's four of them, five of them. Doesn't matter if ten of them happen. You know, the ten blood moons. Does not matter. Blood moon is a term used to describe a lunar eclipse. What scripture refers to regarding blood moons, uh, the singular blood moon, this is an event still coming. And it'll be a sign to the whole world, and it will be unmistakable. It'll be unmistakable that this is connected with the return of Christ and the end of the world. Let me read to you two passages. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 31, and Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 14. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24, starting at verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. And if the sun is darkened, you know what happens to the moon? It's darkened as well. And it'll look, because the moon reflects sunlight, here's what it says, and the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other." Now, here's a cross-reference, Revelation 6, verses 12 through 14. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as sackcloth, and the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. So what scripture is referring to in the moon turning to blood, it's not a result of a lunar eclipse. The moon turning to blood in scripture is a result of the sun basically being darkened. And when that happens, everybody's going to go, it's the end of the world. Right. That's the blood moon singular combined with the darkening of the sun and oh and just for good measure the stars falling from the sky just disappearing whoosh gone that's what's going on here so here's jim baker oh little babies the blood moons belong to god yeah the 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 singular blood moon does belong to god and um, no one's preaching against that Everyone's saying you are deceiving people by saying that the four blood moons had something to do with what's mentioned in Scripture because it has nothing to do with what's in Scripture. And there's so much happened on that final blood moon. The world almost, I, I mean, just everything happened. R really? Um, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> what happened on September 28th? I mean... Seemed like a kind of slow news day to me. United Nations, all the world leaders came together. Uh, on September 28th to do what? The Palestinians said that... The, the Palestinians? <laughs> Are these the, uh, the uh, <laughs> modern-day equivalent of the Philistines? We're going to take Jerusalem as, as their, their capital. capital now. They put their flag up for the first time at the United Nations. 
Oh, blood moon. Yeah, that's that's because of a lunar eclipse. No, you see, the thing is, he's notice he's straining, looking for anything he can, scouring the news. What happened that I can point people to that will convince them that something significant, something important happened on the blood moon? I know the Philistines. I mean, sorry, the Palestines. <laughs> they they raised their flag in Jerusalem. There you go. That's a sign. It's no. See, you know. The blood moon, singular ret mentioned in scriptures, because the sun is darkened. Russia declared war and is basically, look, look at what's happening today. Putin wants to axe the dollar from Russia trade. Oh, no. They, they, <laughs> the, the currency market will never be the same. It's the blood moon. The blood moon is struck. Yes, it's terrible. Putin doesn't. That's because of the blood moon that you know, the U.S. dollars no longer be trade on the Russian currency market. That's what they want. They want the dollar destroyed. People, it's all happening, but we're not looking. Uh, n- nothing happened, and nothing is happening. You're fear mongering in order to sell your dog food buckets. Well, dog food probably tastes better. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, so again, full spin control, full damage control. And, oh, folks, it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, this sounds like Linus, you know, uh, in the uh, in the pumpkin patch, waiting for the great pumpkin to arrive. Uh, and the problem is, is that people who are, who are buying into this, you know, listening to Jim Baker, that's right. It's happening, Jim. It's happening. Yeah, as nothing continues to happen, you know who they're going to blame? Not Jim Baker. They're going to think that Christianity is a crock. Why? Well, because this guy claims to be a Christian pastor, claims to be teaching a Christian message, claims to be telling people to prepare, buy their food buckets now. It's happening. It's happening. Don't you dare mock God's four blood moons. Ah! Yeah. And uh, this is Linus in the pumpkin patch waiting. You know, he's got the most sincerest pumpkin patch ever. You know, and it's finally happening. No, nothing is happening at all. Moving along. Yeah, time for a Mark Batterson update. It's been a while since we've done one of these. That's right. Uh, Mark Batterson, the uh, author of the um, Circle Maker and other <laughs> diseased, you know, uh, doctrinally diseased books, uh, including, you know, In a Pit on a Snowy Day with a Lion, that kind of stuff. Um, he is, was recently featured at the uh, Catalyst Next 2015 conference. And, and get this, I mean, he's no joke, going to basically bake the claim that Scripture says, got to love the Lord your God with all your mind, so you better be doing it with both the right and left hand loaves of your brain. Yeah, this is going to hurt my brain. Here's Mark Batterson to explain. By the way, he's t- he's speaking to vision-casting leaders. So, you know, this is, this is inside shop talk for the vision-casters. Here we go. Think of the two hemispheres of the brain as parallel processors. Now, there's a gross oversimplification, but your left hemisphere is this kind of logical, rational side of the brain. Praise God. It's a gift from God, you know, especially to our teenagers. You have teenagers. It's a gift. 
The right hemisphere of the brain is the creative hemisphere, the creative half. Now, now, just juxtapose that with Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all of your mind. Uh huh. Yeah. So you know, Matthew, you know, <laughs> love the Lord with all of your mind. You know, so you got two hemispheres, right and left. Are you loving God with all of your mind? All of your mind? All of your mind. Not, not just one hemisphere. Listen, it includes the medial frontal prefrontal cortex. Yeah, I don't think <laughs> I don't think any of the people listening to Jesus when or listening <laughs> man. Okay. Hold on a second here. Just imagine yourself a first century Jew, right? And uh, you are following Jesus around to kind of figure out what he's all about, right? And then, you know, somebody throws that scripture out, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, all your mind. And all of the Jews at that time when they heard Jesus say that went, yeah, mm-hmm. you better love God with both your right and your left hemispheres because of the whole frontal lobe cortex thingy. Yeah. They were really, really, really into brain anatomy back in the first century. And that's, you know, and of course, back in the Old Testament, when God gave the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you know, went after the children of Israel came out of Egypt. Yeah. So we're talking what? 1500-ish B.C.? Everybody knows that when, it, you know, the children of Israel were slaves in Israel, uh, you know, that they were really into, I mean, knew about, in fact, they were taught this in the Egyptian school system back there in 1500 BC about the whole right and left hemispheres of the brain. Yeah. The seat of humor. Don't, don't t- humor is part of the, the image of God. It's a gift to us. I happen to believe that God wants to sanctify it and use it. Every part of your brain. Now, all of that to say this. Here's one of the great dangers that we face as leaders. Are you ready? Hang on. Yeah. What, what, what's one of the dangers there, Mark? You've already twisted God's word. Longitudinal studies have shown that there is a cognitive shift from right brain to left brain as we get older. Ah, yeah. Cognitive longitudinal studies have shown this. Uh-huh. Yeah, so are you saying the older we get, the more sinful we become because we're not using both our right and left hemispheres of our brain? What that means is this. Um, we, 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 we run the risk um, that at some point in our lives, we stop leading out of imagination and we start leading out of memory. We just kind of keep doing it the way we've always done it. But here's the deal. If you want God to do something new, you can't keep doing the same old thing. Uh, <laughs> what is he talking about? <laughs> if you, oh, man. So, <laughs> so apparently the Bible teaches that if you want God to do something new, you can't keep doing the same old thing. What, where does it say that in the Bible? And now, you know, the, the commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, now is being interpreted as that means both your right and left hemispheres of your brain. So if you're not leading out of creativity as you're getting old, um, then you are disobeying God, and God can't do anything new. And, you know, what is this? 
And and did you hear the guy sitting there go, oh, wow, that, if, whoa, yeah, my mind is blown. That's just nonsense. It's gobbledygook. Do you think that when God gave the command to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he was giving a command that had to do with a right understanding of brain anatomy? Yeah, I mean, serious. It has to do with all of your thoughts, not the actual mechanism of how you think. Good night. This is so, you know, if you're not leading out of creativity and, you know, that, uh, you know, the other side of your brain and, you know, you're doing, you know, well, pff, God's not going to do a new thing in your life, you know. So there, you know, it's this is utter nonsense. And these guys are eating this stuff up like, well, oh, Mark Batterson is just preaching. The, he's bringing it, man. He, he's bringing us the word. He ain't bringing you nothing except for diseased and pus-filled doctrine that is based upon a twisting of God's word. Man, talking about twisting God's word. Moving along. Time for a Rick Warren update. I don't know how I know, but I'm going to find my purpose. I don't know where I'm going to look. But I'm gonna find my purpose Gotta find out, don't wanna wait Got to make sure that my life will be great Gotta find my purpose before it's too late That's right, that's our Rick Warren update music Gotta find my purpose So we're gonna listen to a portion of a sermon Recently delivered by Rick Warren And it's entitled... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> learning to be both fast and slow. Yeah, I uh, you know, so I mean, if you you know, if you want to succeed in life, you're going to have to learn how to, you know, <laughs> be <laughs> both fast and slow. I wish I was making this up. What why are Christians putting up with this gobbledygook? I it's just mind-boggling to me. Anyway, here's Rick Warren to blow your mind with this paradoxical teaching on learning how to be both Fast and slow. Here we go. Hello, Saddleback. And happy Thanksgiving. Can you believe? Yeah, this was their Thanksgiving weekend message. This year is almost over. Have you decided what you're buying me for Christmas? <laughs> A Bible. I pray you learn how to read it. But if you pull out your message notes, we're continuing in part four of this series, the eight skills that you need to succeed in life. <laughs> what is going on it's it's like you know this fog has has just settled in large portions of the visible church the eight skills you need to succeed do you where did jesus teach that i mean how about any of the apostles or the prophets you know if if god wanted me to know eight skills i needed to succeed i think he would have there would be a section in scripture the eight skills needed to succeed section of scripture, but there is no such thing in scripture and in work. Now we've looked at three different skills so far this weekend. I want us to look at the skill of timing. (laughs) This is absurd on its face. I mean, I am crawling out of my skin at the moment. Really? You know, (laughs) and (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this is part of that uh, other gospel that apparently didn't make it into the canon. You know, 
the, the Gospel of Bartholomew. Um, yeah, in the Gospel of Bartholomew, we have this uh, this poor business owner who comes to Jesus and says, Lord, what must I do for my business to succeed? And, <laughs> and the Lord said to him, well, have you learned the importance of timing? And the, and the man said, uh, t- timing? I, I had no idea that I needed to work on my timing. Yes, it's very important, said Jesus. If you want your business to succeed, you're going to have to learn timing. <sighs> I know the message is called learning to be both fast and slow. And let me explain it a little bit. Every great accomplishment ever in history has an element of timing to it. When you're watching a football game and you see uh, a football player catch a beautiful pass, yeah, it's only because they had worked out the timing between the quarterback and the wide receiver. Right. And what does football have to do with Christian sanctification? And if that timing is off, there's no reception. It's all a matter of timing. Now, this is true in every area of life. It- Notice he's not going to a biblical text first. He's starting with, well, things we can all relate to out in the world and of our experiences, right? Yeah. True in business. Any business investor will tell you that timing is a large part of knowing when to buy, knowing when to sell. Right. It's really simple. Buy low, sell high. It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Knowing when to make a deal, knowing when to merge, and knowing when not to merge, when to diversify. It's all a matter of timing. If you are a singer, you have to know how to sing the notes at the right time. If you're a musician, you know how to have to keep time in the beat. If you are a um, speaker, you have to know good timing in the way you deliver the words. The secret between a funny joke and a joke that bombs is often a matter of timing. And if you have comedic timing, you're just good at it. And if you don't, you suck at it. <laughs> the, the, the key to being a great speaker and creating tension uh, in, uh, in a speech is... You know what the key to being a faithful pastor is? Preaching the word in season and out of season rightly handling the word of truth, teaching what's in accord with sound doctrine and rebuking those who contradict it. These are, this is what scripture says. It has nothing to do with timing. Timing. <laughs> timing. Now, uh, this is true in every area of life. Uh, you know, we're in a political season now. Running for elected office has a large degree of uh, influence, is influenced by timing. And some of our candidates are realizing they're running in the wrong election cycle. They should have run earlier or they should have stayed later because one minute you're a hero and the next minute you're a zero. Timing is everything in life. This week, I was told that Saddleback, once again, was named the most influential American church, this time by news. Yeah, which is not good news. That's bad news because of the nonsense they're hearing from the stage there at Saddleback. It isn't Christian doctrine or even biblical. Uh, Newsmax magazine. We've been named it uh, several times. And to a large degree, Saddleback's influence around the world is simply because we're good at timing. We call it walking in the spirit. We watch what God is doing in the world and we say, we're going to get involved in that. 
that's Blackaby's doctrine. Yeah, from the uh, the book Experiencing God, which, by the way, is just absolute rank false doctrine. Yeah, so here's Rick Warren spewing Blackaby's false doctrine. Find what God is doing in the world and then join him. Yeah, that's a key tenet of the whole purpose-driven uh, religion. It's not Christianity. It's something different. I never, never pray, God bless what I'm doing. Never. I pray, God, help me to do what you're blessing. And I look around the world and I see, oh, God's doing that and God's doing that and God's doing that. I'd like to get in on that. And then my prayer is, God, would you give me the privilege of just being a part of what you happen to be doing at this particular moment uh, in history? And so being sensitive to how God works in the world is really a, a matter of timing. The Bible says it like this. They're on the top of your outline. Ecclesiastes 8, 6. There is a right time and there is a right way to do everything. But we know so little. Now... <laughs> So apparently uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is all about learning important life skills and including the life skill of, you know, good timing. Ecclesiastes 8.6, out of context. And if you'd like to know what all of this stuff means, what the book of Ecclesiastes is all about, listen in to our lecture series that we've been playing from Pastor Jeremy Rohde on the book of Ecclesiastes. You'll, you'll get much better teaching on Ecclesiastes than you would from Rick Warren. And, oh, uh, you know, Jeremy Rohde, he's out in uh, Capistrano Beach, California. He's in the shadow of the Saddleback Mountains. So those of you Saddlebackians who are looking for a faithful church to go to, Faith Lutheran, Capistrano Beach, Jeremy Rohde, learn what the Ecclesiastes is really about. That implies that timing, no, doing the right time, that's timing, and doing it in the right way, that's execution, that both of those are skills. So yeah, Ecclesiastes is all about teaching the importance of Timing and execution. Really? We don't happen to know those skills, so we're not very good at it. But it means that you can learn these things. And that's why we're doing this series on skills. By the way, um, next Sunday night at all of our campuses, 4 p.m., will be our monthly SALT meeting. SALT stands for Saddleback Advanced Leadership Training. And we... Uh, yeah. See, they're not teaching people the scripture. These kind of skills. Uh, at SALT every month. If you've graduated from class 301 or you're involved in volunteering in any ministry in our church, you're eligible to come to SALT, Saddleback Advanced Leadership Training. And I teach lessons on leadership, the stuff I've trained world leaders in around the world over the last 35 years. I'm Lord help our planet. Teaching to our own people. And so I would invite you to be a part of that skill uh, training. You know, years ago when I wrote the book Purpose Driven Church, back in the 90s. The first chapter was called Surfing Spiritual Waves. And I compared leadership to surfing. <laughs> oh, man. What is this nonsense? As uh, here in Southern California, of course, uh, we got a lot of surfers. I uh, used to have a board and was very poor at surfing, but uh, had a lot of fun doing that, falling off the board. But surfers don't create waves. Surfers only surf the waves that God makes. Unless they're in one of those resorts where they have a wave maker, you know. Never seen a surfer who said, oh, let's go create a wave, because you can't create a wave. Well, they do have machines that do make them, and yeah, I've seen them. Just have to wait for God to send one in. 
And uh, surfing involves a lot of patience. And you paddle out, uh, and then you wait for that perfect wave to come. And then it's actually harder than it looks because uh, you've got to learn how to surf the wave. You've got to learn how to balance on the wave. You've got to learn how to get off the wave without wiping out. And it's actually more skilled than a lot of people realize. But no surfer has ever tried to create a wave. He or she simply surfs the wave that God creates. And that's what we've tried to do at Saddleback for 35 years. We don't try to create uh, waves of God's working. We just say, what is God doing? And we move slow when God moves slow, and we move fast when God moves fast. Uh, huh. and, and how do you identify the things that God is doing out there so that you can get in on it? I mean, what on earth i mean i i don't i yeah I'm, my mind is boggled for sure but it's not boggled the way he would think so yeah so that gives you a little sample of the nonsense going on over at saddleback you know the importance you know that important part of christian sanctification you know timing and and uh you know execution <laughs> you know because that's what you know, Jesus was teaching people on that other sermon, on that other mount, you know, the importance of timing and execution. Yeah, wow. Scratching, itching ears, indeed. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there, at Higher Christian Quick Break when we come back. Sermon review. Uh, yeah, apparently you're a king, so start decreeing things and it'll start happening. Yeah, I wish I was making that up. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. No itching ears are scratched here. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. On January 2nd, college students and young adults are invited to Concordia University, Chicago for an evening drinking from the fire hose of the gospel. This Higher Things Lutheran Unconference starts and ends with worship. In between, seven incredible Lutheran pastors will speak for just 20 minutes each. Dinner will be provided with a Q&A session. Registration is just $100 per person. For more information, go to higherthings.org. what to make of this hot mess that we're going to be listening to. And hot mess is the right way to describe it. 
right, let's do this right. the ugly we review it all here at fighting for the faith we're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service today's sermon sermon yeah i'm not sure what this is comes to us via harvest christian center in turlock california we will be listening to uh, jennifer ivaz as she basically tells us that well actually the name of the sermon is you're a king Make the decree. Yeah, I didn't know I was that important, but apparently I am, and so are you. So, And those of you women listening, I'm sure you're queens, so, you know, make the decree. We'll check out the biblical basis for this nonsense, and you're going to see that she's just making all kinds of stuff up. Kind of Rick Warren, Mark Batterson, you know, Katie Sousa style. And, uh... People there are just eating it up, like, yeah, Pastrix Ivaz is, you know, bringing it. Yeah, what she's bringing ain't God's word, and what she's bringing ain't the truth. So let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here is Jennifer Ivaz, and you're a king, make the decree. Here we go. My message is called, You're a King, Make a Decree. Okay? You're a king, make the decree. Right, yeah. That's the important thing I need to be doing. And um, I actually did this um, about a month ago in a Sunday night service, and I knew there was just something powerful on it, and I wanted to bring it to Sunday morning. So so I'm bringing it to you. Yeah, there's something powerful on it. Hang on. Yeah, that's a diseased doctrine right there. Yeah, that that's what, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the smell of, you know, of a, well, an, a, a religious infection going on. Yeah, that's, you're going to need some sound doctrine to clean that up. This morning, making sure everybody uh, gets this message uh, today. And so it's your king, so make the decree. And let me, let me um, start out uh, this way. Um, about, I'm thinking it must have been about 15 years ago. Did you know my husband and I have been here almost 20 years? I mean, we've been here a long time, you know? And, um, and so uh, I think we've been senior leaders about 18 of that. But anyway, um, we had this this outreach that we're doing. I'm thinking it was about 15 years ago and the outreach was called fashion share. And I, I believe I got that concept from another church. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Barnett's shirt church, but I'm not sure, but it was called fashion share. And what we did is this, we would, um, uh, invite all these women in the community to come to a fashion show. And the purpose of it was this, um, at, at that time in our area, one of the biggest gaps that we were seeing with women trying to get work, um, you know, and is they didn't have the right clothing. Um, they didn't have the right attire. And when a girl doesn't, when a woman doesn't have the right clothing to interview in, to, to work in, it really, you know, does something to their confidence. And so we were trying to bridge that cat, that gap, uh, number one, and number two, we're trying to use it as a tool to actually, you know, reach into our community um, to a certain to a certain um, uh, group in our community, and so we had to 
actually gather donations um, for clothes, not just any clothing. We needed business attire, um, including the accessories. You know how it is, girls. You know, you need the shoes, the necklaces, you know, all of that. Um, and then at the same time, we were inviting all these women to come. Uh, we were talking to government agencies. We were talking to people on the streets. We're, we're doing all of that. So one of the things you were dealing, you had to, you had to deal with is you had no idea how many people were coming. You had no idea how many, how much clothing you were going to be able to, to get in. And it needed to be the right clothing. And so that was always one of the, the faith elements that you had to trust the Lord for that everything was going to line up. Everything was going to match up and that somehow, some way it would work in the end. Right. And so, uh, I actually love those projects because I just, I just love that, that, um, you know, where you had to put your faith on the line like that. I actually like that process. And so we, w- the event looked like this. We'd have a very fancy meal because we were discovering a lot of women. Um, they've never even had a fancy meal before. We had girls coming in that were saying things like this. Is this what it's like to be a girl? Like they had never dressed up before. They never did make it. I mean, it's just a really powerful time um, when we did this, this event. And so uh, we had the fancy meal. We had the fashion show. We had testimonies of faith. And then we actually let the women go to our makeshift store. We actually like created a store uh, down in the basement where the kids are now. We created a store and they could actually go on a shopping spree for free. So it was fun. Okay. And we probably did that event like two or three times. We had tons of women come and, and, you know, we always had what we needed, um, more than enough actually. And so I remember this one particular year, you know, and it's, it's just a huge event. Um, and, and, uh, we probably did it two or three times and that was the end of that. It was just, it was huge. But, uh, we had a, a person overseeing the clothing, you know, she, her job was to actually get enough clothing and the right kind of clothing and the accessories. And that was her job. She had to somehow, you know, make it happen, you know, like magic, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember she was having this, um, she began to struggle because she didn't know how she was going to get the clothing. And we start with nothing and she didn't know how she was going to get the clothing. I'm like, yeah, we can get it. You know, it'll come. And so she started to struggle. She got frustrated, started complaining, you know, just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is not going to work, you know, on and on. And I just knew in my heart, I absolutely knew in my heart that Jesus was was backing that project. And because I knew it in my heart, I wasn't worried about it. I didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew it was going to happen somehow, some way. And so I said to her, I said, I want you to come with me outside right now. And so we went outside, right, right out there to, you know, the sidewalk right out there in front of the, the foyer. And I grabbed her by the hand and I just literally spoke this out in the air. I said, in Jesus name, I command the clothing to come. That's all I said. And then I looked at her and I said, it's going to come. Don't worry about it. And like, I knew in my heart, I absolutely knew that everything was going to be okay. And sure enough, we had more than enough. It was like the fishes and the loaves. Like, where did all this come from? You know what I'm saying? And by the time it's all done, you have a ton left over. You have no idea where it came from. And so, you know, everything worked out the way it was um, supposed to work. And so, um, uh, you know, when I made that command, when I made that spiritual command in Jesus name, I command the clothing to come. Um, you know, I, I really, I mean, I wasn't engaging in some kind of Christian hocus pocus to get my wishes accomplished. You know what I'm saying? Some people think of it that way. It sounds to them, uh, like something like that. But what it is, is I knew inside of my heart, I knew that Jesus was back in the project and I knew that I had what I needed before I had it. Anybody ever been, been there before? We're like, notice she's not teaching a biblical text. This is 
something based on personal experience, but she just knew that she knew that she knew that she knew that she knew that, you know, Jesus was back in this, you know, how, how she knew. She, I don't know how she knew. She just knew, you know, cause that's, you just know, right. Know that, you know, it's coming. You don't know how it's coming, but you know that, you know, and so that's where, where I was at. And so what it is, I simply stepped out in my kingdom authority. Um, and I made in your what? You stepped out in your what? Your your kingdom authority? Uh-oh. I feel a Bible twist coming on. I would call a kingly decree. Um, I decreed the clothing to come, and it absolutely did. And so what we... Um, you decreed clothing to arrive, and it did. It showed up because you decreed it? Really? I talk about this morning is, what is a decree? Okay, what is a, a decree? That's the title of the message. You're a king, make the decree. So what's a decree? Let's look at Matthew 6.10 right now. All right, Matthew 6.10, the Sermon on the Mount. It said, let's read it together. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now- uh-huh, yeah, that's right. I mean, so many people twist this text. You know, this, you know, this is for sure. Jesus does teach us, he does. He does teach us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The question is, um, what does that mean? Because the um, the social justice people, you know, the, you know what they say, you know, those people who are into the social uh, justice gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they go around, they basically say, hey, it says your kingdom come, your will be done. You know what that means? Well, there's no poverty in heaven. So we've got to we've got to find a way, to, you know, to to bring the kingdom of God here to earth, and the way we do that then is by uh, you know doing what's necessary to cause uh, you know poverty to end because you know there's no poverty in heaven, so we got to get there's no poverty in the kingdom of God. We we've, we've got to fight poverty then, and that's literally how they argue. And you sit there and go, what on earth are these people doing with this? Well, they're twisting it is basically what it comes down to. So I would recommend that you uh, take a look at, um, you know, something like Luther's small catechism to get an idea of, you know, what does this mean? Because, you know, Luther is, you know, well in his grave and uh, it gives you a better idea of what Christians in the past thought of the Lord's Prayer. So uh, this is from Luther's small catechism, second petition, thy kingdom come. What does this mean? Well, it, it can't, to be sure, the kingdom of God comes itself without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may come to us also. How is this done? Well, when the Heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we may believe his word, his holy word, and live a godly life both here in time and there in eternity. Uh-huh. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? To be sure, the good and gracious will of God is done without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us as well. How is this done? When God curbs and destroys every evil counsel and purpose of the devil, of the world, and of our flesh, which would hinder us from hallowing, making his name holy, his name, and prevent the coming of his kingdom. And when he strengthens us and keeps us steadfast in his word and in faith, even to the end, this is his good and gracious will. So now here's the idea is, is that, you know, all the Bible twisters out there, you know, they, they, they look at the, uh, the, the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as basically, you know, Hey, you know, we've got to go out and bring the kingdom here. And what they mean by that is get rid of poverty or, 
um, perform signs and wonders and miracles and stuff like that. So let's listen to what Jennifer Ivaz thinks that means. Many of us know this as being part of the Lord's Prayer. Everybody know what the Lord's Prayer is, right? Uh, many of you say it, you know it from memory, and you can say it very, very fast and many times over when you're desperate, right? Okay. Um, and so really what this is, what happened is Jesus, he was operating in terrific miracles when he was here on the earth. And Yeah, this is true the story he was you know fully god um born of a virgin and yet he chose to lay that aside and actually walk as a man uh, a perfect man anointed of the spirit of god as our example um and uh no uh he was a perfect man as our savior now granted yes christ gives us an example to follow but he says you know take up your cross and follow me um you're kind of missing the whole point here and so what was happening with him is there was just these terrific miracles happening. I mean, he was multiplying food. He was walking on water. He yeah. was telling storms to stop and they stop. People are getting right. This is true because he is God in human flesh. Healed right and left. Demon possessed people. You know, the crazy people that you know that never get better. Well, those people are getting well under his ministry. And, you know, and, and so all these, these awesome things were happening. And what was happening is the disciples connected those, those miracles. They connected it to his prayer life. They were beginning to see that this, this, that he would pray. And when he prayed, things would happen. Yeah. I, did you even read any of the gospels? It's, when things would happen, it's not they, the disciples were not sitting there going, dang, you know, Jesus, man, he's got some, he's got like a major prayer life going on. It was more like they were going, who is this guy? You must be the son of God. And they eventually the light goes on and they realize Jesus is none other than God in human flesh. They weren't scratching their heads going, man, he's got a major prayer life thing going on. And, and really, honestly, if you see a powerful person like that, trust me, there's a prayer life behind that. If I see a powerful person like Jesus, how many people do you know that are running around that are powerful like Jesus? The point is, ain't nobody powerful like him. He's kind of in a class all of his own. Okay, so so they begin to connect the the miracles to his prayer life, and they they wanted to 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 understand that. So they asked him just flat out. They said, Te "Lord, teach us to pray." Yeah, all of the prologue you know that you gave for you know this the Lord's prayer, none of it's in scripture. You just made it up. This is where we get the Lord's prayer, and really, it's not. I know many of us say it verbatim, and I'm not saying you shouldn't. You should go ahead and do that. But really what the Lord's Prayer is, it's a line-by-line -line instruction on how to pray effectively. Um, what? And this is how Jesus taught the disciples to pray. Uh, the first point being, let's go back to Matthew 6.10. He's saying, your, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So basically what Jesus was telling the disciples, he says, this is how you pray. You pray for God's kingdom to come, and you pray for God's will to be done. Right, and God's kingdom comes among us when people are brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, and they're transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light earth as it is in heaven so in other words if if it's if it's happening in heaven then that's what you pray to be done on earth such man there are a lot of things happening in heaven that don't happen here on earth as there's no sickness in heaven have you noticed that yeah such as there's no yeah because i was there last week you know 
uh, in heaven. There's perfect abundance in heaven. Okay. There's perfect peace in heaven. So, so, so if there's sickness, you know, you got to pray, you know, God's kingdom come as will be done so that you can miraculously get rid of, you know, illness and you got to decree it, you know, that's how you get rid of it. He's trying to tell me, he says, if you see it in heaven, that's what you pray. And as you pray it, because you prayed it, it will be established on this earth. And so that leaves us. Because I pray it, it will be established on this earth. What text says that? Some questions with this. What happens if we don't pray for God's kingdom to come? What happens if we neglect the place of prayer? Is this kingdom happen? Does this kingdom come? No. Well, Luther said his kingdom comes, um, you know, with or without our prayers. But we pray when we pray that, that it would come among us as well. I like Luther's explanation a lot better than yours, lady. A lot of us are under the impression that God's just going to do whatever God is going to do. Well, God's in control. It's God's will. No, actually, you're in control. He actually get put. What? what? I'm in control. <laughs> when? When was I put in charge? The driver's seat and says, you got my name. You got my authority. Now pray my kingdom to come. You want to know why? Because you have a will. Prayer involves our will. God's kingdom coming into this earth involves our will. He cannot override the church that does not want to reach the lost. (laughs) So apparently God's hands are tied. I mean, talk about an inept deity. I mean, he's so inept. Uh, He can't even veto the people he created. Wow. What a lame God. He cannot override the church. He does not want to reach the nations. He has to have the cooperation of the church in order for those things to happen. God just doesn't make it happen. He actually works through you and I. So that's why we pray for God's kingdom to come, God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I get an amen? And so we've been um, born again into God's kingdom as well as fully empowered to be successful in his kingdom. Put your hand over your heart right now. And say, I have been fully empowered to be successful in God's kingdom. Why are you having people say this? Where did you get this from? Okay. And so everything, okay, all of that empowerment, all that success, you know, in God's kingdom, everything starts with prayer. Everything. Hear me now. It's like she's making up her own theology. I mean, seriously. Everything starts with prayer. Um, uh, You know, the Lord prophesied through the prophet Isaiah about the modern day church. What is our first ministry to be? And he says that that um, uh, his house would be a house of prayer. And that was a prophecy about what's happening today. And basically, the first ministry of the church is prayer. The first thing we do is pray, is pray. Everything starts with prayer. Everything is birthed from prayer. Okay. And so, um, apparently everything's birthed from, are are your prayers pregnant? Uh, you know, and so everything starts with prayer and one of the, and because of that, you know, you, you probably noticed that we are a place of prayer. We pray a lot. We have several prayer services going on throughout the, w- the week. I encourage you to jump in on those. Um, if you don't know how to pray, um, you'll learn, just observe and, and you'll learn as you go. And that's, that's fine. Um, but one of the power tools of prayer is our ability to make a decree. Okay. So we're just talking about one of the power tools of prayer because we want to learn about prayer. We want to study prayer. We want to actually engage in prayer because it is our first ministry. And so one of the power tools of 
prayer is that is our ability to make a decree. Now making a decree, this is what happens. It causes the blessings of heaven to be released from heavenly places into our natural realm. Okay. Where are you getting that? Which text says what you just said? I've never seen that Bible text. You're just making stuff up. It causes the blessings of heaven to be released from heavenly places into our natural realm. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 3, and it says this. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing in the, where? Heavenly places in Christ. Well, yeah, that says that he has already blessed us. Has already. It doesn't say that we have to decree and declare things in order to pull the blessings down. You know, and notice what she's doing. This is called proof texting, which is a form of Bible twisting, especially the way she's doing it. She spouts her theology and then she goes and hunts for a verse out of context to back up the false theology she's put forward. It's a nasty form of Bible twisting that she's engaging in. It's kind of like, what do I do with that? Okay, we have every spiritual blessing. Well, what's a spiritual blessing? You know, um, uh, peace is a blessing. I think we talked about that. Um, uh, having your kids um, uh, right with God, isn't that a blessing? You know, your ki- How about having my kids clean their bedroom? Is that a blessing? I think my wife would think that's a blessing. So uh, can I pull that out of heaven too? Right with- you know, because none of the kids in heaven have dirty rooms. So if I want the kingdom to come, you know, my kids have to have a clean room. God, um, you know, when everybody's healthy, that's that's a blessing from God, all of those things. And so these spiritual blessings, it seems like they're holed up somewhere. You know, all the kids in heaven, they say, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you know, so uh, I, I need to pull that out of heaven, too. Can I decree and declare that, too, for my kids? I'd, I'd like some of that kind of respect, you know what I mean? Um, before they actually come into our world, they're holed up, uh, in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, when, so all the heavenly, the blessings are holed up in, in, in heaven, they're holed up. Really? That's not what Ephesians says, says we have them. They has, who has already blessed us become a believer in Jesus Christ. When we have to become born again, we give our lives to Jesus. We surrender, we sell out to him. Yeah. That's not how one becomes a Christian happens we actually have um uh, uh we have a, our citizenship in heaven now we actually we're not just going to go to heaven when we die we actually have citizenship in heaven right now and well yeah it's true we have we have citizenship in heaven um but we don't get to ex- exercise all of the authority of our citizenship in in christ's kingdom until the consummation of the kingdom at the end of time actually begin to live in two realms. We live in heaven and we live on earth and we have access to heaven just as much as we have access to earth. Okay. And so, and it's a really powerful thing to understand. Can you keep that verse up, please? Ephesians uh, one, three. Yeah. Where's that access verse, please. I like to see that passage where it talks about all of our access. So he's blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And if the blessings are in heavenly places, well, how do we get them from there to here? Uh, yeah. How do you do that? I, and I mean, that's what I want to know. I mean, I need something practical like that. And yeah, all my blessings are sitting up there and I'd like them down here. You know, 2015, I was supposed to have all kinds of blessings. They never showed up, but you know, the UPS guy never brought them. Understand this, the spiritual realm rules the natural realm. If you can lay hold of something in the spirit, 
Nothing's going to take it away in the natural. Uh huh. You got a passage that says that? Because it sounds to me like you're just making stuff up again. A lot of times we don't know how to live in the spirit. We don't understand these principles and we're trying to do things just very naturally. Yeah, what principles are you talking about? Make things happen. We don't get it and we keep losing things. If you can grab hold of it in the spirit, you can understand these principles, then you won't lose things in the natural realm. Nothing will be able to take it away from you. Okay. And so how do we get, get those heaven, those spiritual blessings, um, from heavenly places to here where right here, where we're living right here and now, well, we actually make a decree. We decree what we decree our peace. We decree uh, which passage says that the way I pull down the blessings from heaven is by making a decree. I, I'm not familiar with that text health. We decree our, our, um, mental stability. We decree salvation to our families. We decree our destiny our um, the favor of God, the wisdom of God, um, stability, all of those things, because if the Lord said it in his word, if he said it, then it's ours and it's decreeable. Okay. It's <laughs> I, I, I have no idea. So if God said it, it's, it's ours and we it's decreeable. All right, yeah. No passage says that, but okay. Ours and it's decreeable. And so a decree is defined as this, you know, it's defined as an official order issued by a legal authority. Did you know that you're a legal authority in the kingdom? Yeah, which biblical text says that? God, you are a legal authority. You have a position. You have a place. You, um, uh, uh, so notice she's not teaching people to pray. She's teaching them to decree. Uh huh. You have authority. You don't get to ask God for stuff anymore. You demand it. You, you decree it. It's you. You have a legal authority, so you tell God, "Hey, I'm decreeing that you better deliver that blessing to me because I'm a legal authority in the kingdom of God." The name of Jesus, now that you are a believer in Christ. A so it's an official order issued by a legal authority. And so naturally speaking, um, a decision, let's say, is, is made by a court, by the court, you know, a, um, uh, a, a court order. Well, you know, it supersedes any desire or opinion of any, anyone who, who's actually having the order made against them. For example, um, uh, maybe the court... Uh, uh, issues an order and actually issues a fine against you or issues, um, uh, revokes your driving privileges or, um, you know, actually sends you to jail, to, to jail. Okay. Just put your head down. We won't know. Um, and so, so, you know, the, those co orders, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It is what it is. Okay. And so, so you flip that where you are the one giving the order. Well, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks about it. If it's in the word of God and you've given an order, it is what it is. It doesn't matter what any, any other opinion is about that. Okay. Yeah. Again, no biblical text says this. She's just making it up. So, so Job twenty two twenty eight in the, now let's take a look at that text. Job twenty two twenty eight. She's going to quote it from like the King James or something like that. Let's take a look at it from the King James, and then I'll show you what's wrong with it. Job twenty two twenty eight. out of context, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways, says the, the text. Well, there it is. It says, decree a thing, and it'll be established. Uh, yeah, um, there's something about the book of Job you need to be familiar with, and that is, is that... The book of Job, there are, uh, Job has some quote-unquote comforters, 
And these dudes have some really screwed up theology. And you don't you, you don't want to take the advice of Job's comforters. And so if you look at Job chapter 28, at the beginning of it in like the ESV, you'll see that this section says, Eliphaz speaks, Job's wickedness is great. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Eliphaz in chapter 22 of Job is giving a monologue where he is basically saying the reason why Job has lost everything is because of his wickedness. And yet we know for a fact that the reason why Job lost everything is because he was faithful and he loved the Lord. And the devil basically said, yeah, God, the reason why he loves you so much is because you blessed him. If If we take everything away from him, he'll curse you. And so God says, all right, you're on. You can take everything away from him, but you can't take his life. And so the devil proceeds to do so. Well, Eliphaz basically assumes, based on his bad theology, that uh, the reason why Job is suffering is because of Job's wickedness. So let me read a little bit from this, applying our three rules for sound biblical exegesis, which are context, context, context. Job 22, I'll start at verse 21. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, Can a man be profitable to God? Surely he who is wise is profitable to himself. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty if you are in the right, or is it a gain to him if you make your ways blameless? It is for your fear of him that he reproves you and enters into judgment with you. Is not your evil abundant, Job? Is not, is, there is no end to your iniquities. You have, for you have exacted pledges of your brothers for nothing and have stripped the naked of, of their clothing. You have given no water to the weary to drink, and you have withheld bread from the hungry. And you sit there and go, what is Eliphaz smoking? Yeah, we know the we know the truth. Eliphaz isn't speaking the truth. Okay? So when you get down to verse 28, this is all still part of Eliphaz's false doctrine, false theology. He's completely ignorant and acts like he's got it all figured out. And so I'll start at verse 26. For then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God and you will make your prayer to him and he will hear you and you will pay your vows and you will decide on a matter and it will be established for you and the light will shine on your ways. For when they are humbled, you say it is, it is because of pride, but he saves the lowly. He delivers even the one who is not innocent, who, who will be delivered through the cleanness of your hands. So yeah, um, when you get to verse twenty-eight in the ESV, it says you will decide a thing. Uh, you know, it'll be a, it'll be a, you know decide on a matter and it'll be decided for you. Um, you know, although you you know the Hebrew, you, you can kind of say that it does say if you decree a matter. But the thing is, is that this is not something that's true. Eliphaz is saying false doctrine. He's offering advice and basically saying he's got it all figured out, and he hasn't got it figured out. You don't draw your doctrine and theology from Eliphaz in the book of Job. You do so to your own detriment or any of the other comforters of Job. We continue. James Version. Can you bring that up? It says this. It says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Now, the Hebrew word for decree in this passage, um, it's actually, it's, it's a command that not only establishes something, but it also divides. It also 
cut something down at the same time, okay? Yeah, it doesn't matter if you get the Hebrew uh, semantics correct. The person who's speaking it is not speaking the truth. It's Eliphaz. It establishes something, it, it divides, and it cuts something down at the same time. And so the powerful promise for making a decree, thou shalt, make a dec- thou shalt decree a thing, the promise for making a decree is the light of God will shine, shine upon all your ways. How many want the light of God to shine upon all your ways? All right. This is awful. Completely ignorant. This is why you don't read a verse. You need to add context. And then when you do that, you'll sit there and go, oh, I see. In other words, the decree cuts away and destroys anything from the kingdom of of darkness that has been purposed against you. And so when we make these decrees, we got to know who we are. And we, we, we have to make a decree by faith. Like we have to really, really know who we are and what we're doing. And we have to be sure of it. You know, like I said, when I, when I knew Jesus was so back. She's in- building a whole theology out of a misquote from partial, a partial part of Eliphaz's speech to Job in chapter 22. Right. Yeah. That's how you do theology. Project. I knew inside. I knew that I knew that I knew. And you could not convince me otherwise that Jesus was back in the project. I will get everything that I need. Okay. And that's, that's how strong it gets in you. So you have to know who you are and you have to know this, that you are royalty in the kingdom of God. Uh, I'm so I'm royalty. Apparently that you are royalty in the kingdom of God, not only in the kingdom of God, but you are actually royalty designated royalty in the name of Jesus on this earth. Okay. First Peter two, nine says, but you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Yeah, it says so that I can proclaim the praises of him who called me out of darkness. It doesn't say so that I can decree and declare and make legal authority statements. To his marvelous light. So let me pick out some things and tell you what you are. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. And you are a special people. Did you get that? To declare the praises, his praises, not declare legal authority. Okay. You are chosen. You are royal. You are holy. And you are a special people. Now, and so that's what this verse is saying about us. Um, it also elaborates further in the book of Revelation that, that we are kings and priests. And we will. Every verse out of context. This is called proof texting. To reign on this earth. Let's look at um, Revelations 1 6. Let's check this out. Okay, it says, and he has made us kings and priests to his God. And- yeah, you're a king and priest. So, yeah, you, you, you have legal, you got to decree a thing. You're a king. You just got to take, take legal, legal authority. Why aren't you flexing your kingly muscles, you know? To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Let's look at Revelations 5 10. And it says, and he has made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign where? Yeah, that's. Future, we shall reign. That we will. That's future tense. Really say that. Where are we going to reign? Did he really say on the earth? Are you sure about that? You mean it's not when we die and we go to heaven that we? Yeah, that's new heavens, new earth. We will reign, not that we do reign. Experience some of this? No, he's actually saying you're going to actually reign on this earth. Did he say that you really are a king and a priest? He said, we're a king and a priest, right? So he made us this way. And one of the things is he made you that way 
Okay. It, it wasn't your choice. It wasn't your choice. Okay. He made you that way. And, and it's his choice. We didn't have anything to do with it, but we don't deny it either. And the Bible also describes Jesus as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I love this because I always box that thought in thinking that, oh, he's just talking about Kings of Nations and whatever. He's the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Kings of Nations. No, he's actually the King of Kings, you and I, Lord of Lords, you and I on this earth right here, right now. Now, let me know that God is very extravagant. He's very extravagant. Have you ever read um, the descriptions of heaven in the Bible? It's incredible. Did you know that the gates around, you know, heaven or the city, I I don't totally understand it. I think it's the city of Jerusalem. Did you know the gates have these humongous gemstones on it? Like you can't even find anything like that on the earth. They're they're decorated. They're adorned with humongous gemstones. Now, what, um, how does God make his streets? What does he make his streets out of? Right? We all know that, right? Only a few of you seem to know that. What does he make his streets out of? Gold. Wow. So God makes his streets out of gold. So he's very extravagant. Have you recognized that? And so when he made you and I, do you think he's any less extravagant? Do you think? So God's extravagant. Now we're just going to extrapolate from that. Okay. God's extravagant. See, he had streets of gold. Yeah. So, so how about us? You know, when isn't God extravagant towards us? Oh, boy. Whose likeness did he make you and I in? So he he can't help himself. He had to make a king. God couldn't help himself. Oh, man. This is just a train wreck. Amen? He had to make a king. So why do you think that we have mansions being... being constructed for us when we actually transition out of here. The reason we have mansions is because Kings live in mansions. We don't live in apartments. We live in mansions. God is making housing for us to reflect who he made us to be as Kings on the earth and Kings in heaven. Is everybody okay? All right. Some of you are just like getting choked up. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it be interesting if she could actually open up a biblical text and without ripping anything out of context, just teach this straight from a text? Yeah, she can't, can she? No, there's a reason for that because she's twisting God's word. All of this is false doctrine. All right. And so we're designated kings in heaven. We're designated kings on the earth. And as kings, we make the decree, right? We make the decree. Ergo, yeah, so so verse out of context, extrapolation, and then a logical conclusion from the extrapolation, and blammo, you now have a new Christian doctrine. Yeah, again, if this is what God wanted us to believe, there would be clear passages that speak about it as clearly as you are speaking about it, but all the things you are saying clearly are not taught in God's word, and you're ripping verses out of context to make it appear like this is some kind of teaching from the Bible when it's not. So we make that decree. We make it because we're royalty. We make it in faith. And the way we do that, the way we make a decree in faith is we actually say it out loud because the spiritual realm has to hear it in order to obey it. 
Really? Who knew? Yeah, so in the spiritual realm, here's it coming out of your mouth. So those of you who are mute, yeah, yeah, you are just, well, can't help you. Yeah, you're stuck. Yeah, because the spiritual world has to hear it, you know, come out of your mouth. And if it doesn't hear it coming, you can't, you can't get it. Remember what I said? The spiritual realm is what rules the natural realm. Okay, there's an invisible realm, and all this stuff is taking place in that invisible realm. Some of you have encountered that invisible realm, maybe on a negative way, okay? But those things are taking place, and if you don't understand what you have and who you are, you won't know how to navigate it, and you will not see your natural world reflect um, the blessings of God that he has promised to you and I. And Yeah, choose your own theology, apparently, yeah. That's the new way of doing things in Christianity. We we uh, uh, say it, say the decree out loud because the spiritual realm has to hear it in order to obey it. A decree is not passive. It's not silent. It's not a done in your own mind type of thing. Um, you actually make the decree, and that decree is actually the wisdom of God. And you make it before the angels. You make it before the powers and principalities, and they have to obey. Obey what what uh, they have to obey the decree. It actually sets the spiritual realm in motion, just like God's word. Yeah, she's just making stuff up. Set creation in motion. What did God say? He said, "Let there be," and what happened? There was. Let there be light. Let there be animals. Let there. I'm not God, and neither are you. Just because God can do something doesn't mean we can. Nowhere does it say that our words create. A fish in the sea, let there be water, sun, moon, stars, let there be those things. Everything God spoke happened and he made us in his image. Why? Because we will speak and it will happen just the same. Okay. And so, so we've got to understand these principles. We actually, um, uh, make those decrees before the angels and the powers of principalities. Let's look at Psalm 103, 20 to, to understand that it says, bless the Lord, you, his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. I think many of us heeding un- the voice of God's word, not ours. Understand that we understand that Jesus will, will somehow give orders to angels and the angels will, will do what he says. Cause they're, they're, they're servants of heaven. They're also servants to the body of Christ. And we, under, I think many of us understand that. And we look at that verse and say, oh yeah, Jesus will do that. Jesus will, will, will release his word and the angels will actually do it. Well, that's in heaven. Jesus, where is he? He's in heaven, but who's on the earth? We are his body. Okay. And so angels are actually going in between heaven and earth. Um, uh, because there's that heaven to earth connection. Want to get that connection. And remember Jacob's ladder. Remember that, that described that whole scene that, that angels will go in between heaven and earth and, and angels actually, um, come in response to, to our prayers. We, We find that out in the book of Daniel. Daniel prayed. He was having a conflict and he prayed and it took a while to get, get an answer. But when that angel showed up, the angel said this, he said, I was dispatched because of your words the very first day. And he had a fight on the way in, but he, he got to Daniel and I have come to give you understanding. I mean, really, really powerful stuff. So so apparently there's angels, you know, they're coming down Jacob's ladder in order to hear what you say, because you know, they got to obey your words too. Oh, man, this is just utter ignorance. What happens there? Jesus is given the commands in heaven, and he's, he's on the throne there. He's, he's not here. But we are here, and we represent him, and we carry his words. 
And so when we speak his words, it sets the angels in motion. And apparently just your decrees equal Jesus's words. I decree this, that, or the other thing. And that, you know, that's, those are Jesus's words, you know, because we are the body of Christ. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man, this is just demonic. It's, it's just that bad. And people are eating this stuff up thinking, oh, yeah, I'm being taught the truth of Christianity. These people are not disciples of Jesus. They're disciples of Jennifer Ivaz. Because uh, Jesus' disciples through the millennia have never been taught this nonsense. See what I'm saying? Now, let's look at um, Ephesians 3.10. It says this, To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by who? The church. Who's the church? We are. Those of us who believe in Jesus, who serve Jesus, or the church, might be made known by the church to who? Principalities and powers in heavenly places. What, what are principalities and powers? Well, Ephesians goes on to describe that in verse in chapter six and says, those are all the, the, the ugly demonic monsters that are trying to kill you. Well, guess who's, guess who's telling them what to do. Guess who's telling them what they can't do. You and I, that's the decree. Okay. That's the decree that we are making. All right. So, um, so we make those decrees and we, we speak them out loud and it will be established, and it's all because of Christ. And through him, you and I are now that powerful. Okay, we're that powerful. Yeah, you're just, you're just a king, man. You, you are so powerful, really. <clears throat> Sometimes we, we wonder about that. Some of us, maybe we've learned these principles, and we've actually stepped out into it, and it's taken a while. I know there's some people in the room, that's your story right now. It's just taken a while. Yet you have made that decree. What is yours? You found it in the word. You said, this is mine. I, I, I command it to be so in Jesus' name. And it's take. It's mine. I command it to be so. Weird. Peter didn't talk that way. Paul didn't talk that way. None of Jesus' actual disciples and who became the apostles, none of them talked that way either. This is, I mean, this is a doctrine of demons. Wow. Well, just like, like, um, uh, a plant needs time to grow before it bears fruit. Our decrees are actually released in seed form. And the Bible talks about that, that faith is like a... Uh, I see. Uh, yeah, your decrees are released in seed form now. Yeah. The story gets weirder. Seed. Um, talks about the word being a seed. And our decrees are released in seed form into that spiritual realm like we just described. And it does require various amounts of time to actually grow and 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 you know, come to pass. And so how do we water the seeds of those decrees? Well, by reminding the spirit realm of their orders. Okay. And that's how we do that. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought money was a seed. Now, now my words are a seed. Okay. So this, I got to remind the spiritual realm. Hey, spiritual realm, pay attention out there. You know, I planted a seed, you know, I decreed and declared the thing. So you got to obey, get cracking. Yeah, you, you need, maybe you need to set up some kind of project management sheet with the angels or something, you know. 4326, he said this. He says, put me in remembrance, okay? So that's, that's uh, Judy, you putting the Lord in remembrance, okay? Um, that's uh, Jojo, putting you putting the Lord in remembrance. Remembrance of what? Uh, Emmanuel, that's you putting the Lord in remembrance, okay? Putting him in remembrance of what? His word, his promises, right? Okay, put the Lord in remembrance. And he says, go ahead and do it. You put me in remembrance. And then in Isaiah 45, 11, he says, 
ask me of things to come and you command me. I think that's a shocking verse. I think that's a very shocking verse. I I come to find out that God is not really concerned about his ego. Like he's very secure. And, and, and he will say, you know, ask me what's going to happen. And basically you say, you know, insinuating that he's going to tell you. And once he tells you, then you, you tell him to do it. Did you know you have that? Yeah, I want to show uh, Isaiah 45 in the context here because what she just did is absolutely deplorable. Hey, you know, uh, does Isaiah 45, verse 11, does God instruct us to command him? <clears throat> Isaiah 45, verse 9, context, context, context. Woe to him who strives with him who formed him, a pot among earthen pots. Does the clay say to him who forms it, what are you making? Or you wor- your work has no handles. Woe to him who says to a father, what are you begetting? Or to a woman, with what are you in labor? Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him. Ask me of things to come. Will you command me concerning my children and the work of my hands? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens, and I commanded all their host. I have stirred him up in righteousness, and I will make all his ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free, for not for price or reward, says the Lord of hosts. Yeah, Isaiah 45.11 does not teach us to command God. This woman is wicked blasphemous, evil power. Some of you are just like, this is like flooring me. Oh my God. (laughs) And so, um, and and so these are really shocking, awesome truths from the word of God, you know, that, that he'd actually say, put them in remembrance. He'd actually say, ask me things to come and you command me. And he said, well, how do we really do that? Well, Joshua. Yeah. Again, Isaiah 45, 11 does not teach us to command God. You are absolutely lying to these people, Jennifer. It's how we do that. Remember Joshua in the Bible? Joshua actually began to take the Israelites into the promised land um, after 40 years in the wilderness, you know. And so he's actually doing that. He's fighting the battles. He's taking the cities one by one. He's taking them down, taking them apart. And there's an Amorite city, an Amorite king, and they saw what was coming. They saw that Joshua was coming. He was taking apart big cities. He was taking apart powerful cities. And so they knew they were in trouble. And so they began to join forces to fight against this Joshua who seemed to be unstoppable. And so Joshua, you know, began to, uh, um, you know, get ready to engage in battle. And he got a promise from God. And this is the important piece of a decree. It has to be based on the word of God, the promise of God. And he said this in um, Joshua 10, eight, let's look at this. He says, this is what the Lord says to him about that battle. He says, don't fear them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Okay. And so Joshua has this promise and, and so he, you know, he begins to step out on it. He gets into the, the fight with the Amorites and, and they're winning. The only problem is in order to finish out the battle, they're going to need more daylight. Now they didn't fight with the nighttime goggles and all the fancy stuff we got now, you know, like when, when the sun went down, you, you know, it was over. And so, um, they were running out of daylight and they needed more time in order to finish out this, this battle. And so what happened is, and the Bible describes it very clearly is that Joshua said this before the Lord, remember, you know, 
Ask me the things to come. You command me. So he says this statement before the Lord, and he says it before, you know, uh, the Israelites. And he points to the sun, and he says this in Joshua 10, 12. And he says, sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of, of this valley. Here, he said that. Ejelon. Yeah, um, Joshua did not command God. He trusted the word of the Lord. Lord said, not one of them will escape. And since God had given them that promise, he commanded the son to stand still, trusting in the word of the Lord. He did not command God. And what happened is this, is that the Lord honored his decree, the sun stood still, the moon stood still, until Joshua finished out the battle. That's a decree, my friend. That's what a decree. No, that's trusting in the word of the Lord. And you're not my friend. You're not even my sister in Christ. You are a wicked deceiver. Is. You have a promise from God and you, you actually command it to be. And you, you speak to those elements. You speak to the principalities and powers and you go ahead and make that decree. And it has to happen. You just gave that order. And so... We make decrees with our words, and if we can make a decree, command something to be done with our words, we can actually void it with our words. And this is where we are experiencing the most failures, and let me explain. Let's look at Proverbs 18, 21. Let's read it together. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's say it together. Death and life. Yeah, out of context, it's not saying that you have the power to do things with your tongue in the way you're saying. This is is magic that you're describing in every single verse out of context. She's proof texting and making these verses say whatever they want. You know, the famous example that, uh, you know, I constantly, you know, refer to. Is, you know, Judas went and hung himself, one verse says. Go thou and do likewise, another verse says. So there you go, you know. God wants you to harm yourself. That That's not what God wants you to do. And the only way you can come up with that is by taking two verses out of context and stringing them together to make them say something they're not saying. Are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Let's look at Mark eleven twenty three while we're at it said, surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He'll have whatever he says. Now, many of us, we look at passages like that and we think very rationally. We think very logically and we think in terms of metaphors. Well, actually in God's kingdom, this can happen. Okay. Joshua just told the sun to stand still. You think you can't tell a mountain to get, get lost? Okay, in the kingdom of God, these things can take place. And so we have to we have to recognize the spiritual realm actually rules the natural realm. The word of God trumps any situation that you and I might be having that isn't lining up with his um, uh, spiritual blessings. And we've got to grab a hold of that. Okay, and, um, and so back to Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. And, you know, this is actually a spiritual law. Okay. And, and there is such a thing. There's, it's a spiritual law. And what we have to, we have to get is that just because you don't know this verses in the Bible, just because you don't function in it like consciously. Yeah. Again, this isn't teaching magic. Proverbs 18 is not teaching magic. 
Proverbs 18.20, from the fruit of a man's mouth, his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. Death and life are in the power of his tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Yeah, it's not saying that, oh, yeah, you, you have the ability to decree and declare. That's not what it's saying at all. And the only reason why you would even think that is because the only reason she spoke those words you know, from uh, Proverbs, is because she was doing it out of context and she had already set up her theology ahead of time and then she's forcing this passage now to conform to what it is that she is saying. Let me read to you the note uh, from the, the Lutheran Study Bible on this, which I find very helpful. Proverbs 18, 20, and 21 work together, by the way. And here's what the Lutheran Study Bible says. We reap what our words sow. Oratory skill, especially in a media-driven age, often brings profit and success. To speak well is a valuable gift. We may hear in this proverb a caution against those who would lie and deceive by God's name, profiteering by the gospel or from false teaching. It is also true that laborers deserve their wages, and godly and faithful pastors should receive their living from speaking the gospel. Christians ought to share all good things with their instructors, adequately providing for the continuation of the ministry of the word and the sacraments in their midst. Yeah, take away the magic theology and exegete the text, and then you understand what it's really really saying. And it ain't saying what Jennifer is saying it's saying, because she's teaching... Basically, magic, witchcraft is what she's teaching. She's teaching rebellion against God. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not working in your world. Because spiritual laws are spiritual laws, whether you understand it or not, whether you are doing it or not doing it or violating it. Um, uh, the, you know, they, they're not alterable. They just, they just function. And because you, you, um, are made in the image of God and you have that authority and you have that power, you're pro- you are operating in this, whether you realize it or not. Here's the deal. You are the sum total today of the words you said yesterday. Uh, so apparently my words create created me where I am right. Uh-huh. No, Bible doesn't say that either. And some of you are like, that's no good. And some of you are like, aha, there's a future and a hope because I can change things, you know, <laughs> and everything. So, you know, we, we've got to recognize that. And, um, uh, our God who, who calls things that are not as though they were is challenging us to use our words wisely. Because of who you are, because of what you have, and because you are more powerful than you think. And, and he's challenging us to use our words wisely, you know, when it comes to situations that arise that seem to contradict the word of God. Um, yeah, says the woman who's being foolish and twisting God's word. Uh, and we all have them. Life happens. Okay. Um, we have unfair situations. Um, when it comes to the salvation of our cities and uh, salvations of nations, he's challenging us to use our words wisely. So that means we actually have to know the word of God. We have to know what belongs to us. We have to be students of the word. And we actually, um, uh, not only have to know, we actually have to, uh, not just align our words. We actually have to get a grip on our thoughts. You know, those of us who struggle with extreme negativity, those of us who ha- who have anger just like under the surface all the time, like somebody smiles at you and you're cussing at them in your head. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, those you've got to grab a hold of your thoughts because that world will come out your mouth. And your words, we've got to use our words wisely, and we've got to get a grip on who we are. We are royalty. You know, once you understand that you are royalty and you're a king, you don't do certain things. 
you, yeah, just get a grip on the fact that you're royalty and, you know, you, you, it'll just change your life, you know. <sighs> Man, wow. You know, it's like that's, you know, that might be for other people. That's not for you. Because royalty doesn't act like that. Royalty doesn't behave like that. Royalty, royalty, you know, has high aspirations. You know, royalty actually constructs a life that's actually, you know, over time is going to be wealthy and abundant and stable. You know, and you make decisions accordingly because you're royalty and you understand that that time will work for you if you apply the right principles now. Okay, um, so we got, we got to get our, not just our words in line, we got to get our thoughts in line. Uh, but some people would take these principles really extreme and I want to kind of bring some balance to it and, and ex- give you one of our uh, situations from our family. You're, you're going to bring balance to this false teaching? I don't think so. Uh, so you understand how this works, okay? And most of you know that our son, um, he was diagnosed with a neurological disorder when he was four years old. He was unable to speak. And, you know, it was bad. It, it was really bad. And, um, you know, we, of course, we put him in therapy. We did all the right things. Uh, five days a week of therapy. It was just horrible. And it was expensive. It was horrible. And all that stuff. And so, you know, my husband and I have known these principles, you know, for a very long time. So regardless of what we saw, we, we took it before the Lord because his word says, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. We are in covenant with God, and so healing belongs to us. And so we took it before the Lord, and we just made the decree over him that, that in Jesus' name, he is healed. And we stood on that. Now, Yeah, healing is not part of the atonement, and uh, Isaiah 53 does not teach that. We have seasons where where it looked like he wasn't going to get better. We sure did. Okay. Did we have seasons where we didn't grieve what he was going through? We sure did. Um, we still would have the appropriate discussions with medical personnel. We still had the appropriate discussions um, with um, uh, his teachers and school educators, you know, so we can accommodate what where he was at at the time. Okay. But regardless of those of those times before the Lord, before the realm of the spirit, before the congregation, before people who were asking about it in Jesus name our son is healed. Okay. Full circle. You know, he's completely resolved. I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's, it's almost, it's like almost impossible medically. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, and he's fully resolved. He's like, his grades are awesome. Okay. He's, he's a normal teenager. I mean, he turns 13 in January. He's a normal teenager. And you know, all this normal stuff is attached in these days. And it's like, you really don't see the struggle that he had. And you want to know why that came because we knew his word and we made the decree and the Lord honored it. Amen. Amen. So that's how you, you bridge those things, it's how you work those things, work those things out. And so, so I want to, um, work with you this morning. I have, um, there's, you should have received this in your bulletin. If not raise your hand, the ushers will give you a sheet that looks just like this. And they're called decrees. Okay. It's two pages. If you don't have it, raise your a decree sheet. Wow. And there's one hand over there and I sure will get, get, get to, um, those get you that document right now. I'm going to have you stand right now, but again, if you don't have it, raise your hand and make sure that you get one. And I'll, I'll have the musicians come up as well. I think they're on their way anyway. So these are decrees. Um, other churches might call them confessions. It just kind of depends on how you, you do this linguistically, but, um, they're pretty much the same word. And um, how many know who Joyce Meyer is? Yeah, she's doing well, isn't she? Yeah, false teacher. 
doing well. Um, well, these are just some of her decrees. I found this online. These are just some of hers. And I'm thinking if these are her decrees and she's doing well, well, maybe this would work for us too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there you go. If it works for Joyce Meyer, it should work for you. And all of these that I have here are, they're all from the Bible. Um, and it, again, this is a condensed list. You can get the full list at that, at that, um, link that I put on your page. You can take this home. You can make this part of your prayer time, or you can develop your own based on the word of God and based on what you need. You might need healing. Um, you might need uh, wisdom. You might need different things and you can make your own decrees based on what you see in the Bible. But I want all of us to do this together. We're going to actually say this out loud together. You need to say it out loud. And it does take a few minutes to go through this, but you're going to feel very different by the time this is all over. You'll, you'll, you'll yeah, I'm sure I feel even ickier than I already feel. Uh, cue sappy music. That's an emotional manipulation technique designed to create the false impression that God, the Holy Spirit, is now working there in the audience. Experience like the air will literally clear around you. Okay, so let's say this all together. I love all people and I am loved by all people. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. I prosper in everything I put my hand to. I have prosperity in all areas of my life, spiritually, financially, mentally, and socially. All my household are blessed in their deeds. We're blessed when we come in and when we go out. I take good care of my body. I eat right. I look good. I feel good. And I weigh what God wants me to weigh. I operate in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are tongues and interpretation of tongues, the working of miracles, discerning of spirits, the word of faith, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, healings, and prophecy. I know God's voice, and I always obey what he tells me. I do all my work excellent. No, you don't. And with great prudence, making the most of all my time. I am created because the Holy Spirit lives in me. I love to pray. I love to praise and worship God. I am purpose that my mouth shall not transgress. I will speak forth the righteousness of God all the day long. I have humbled myself and God has exalted me. I am a giver. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I love to give. I have plenty of money to give away all the time. I cast all my care on the Lord for he cares for me. I don't give the devil a foothold in my life. I resist the devil and he has to flee from me. I don't have a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. I am not afraid of the faces of man. I am not afraid of the anger of man. I am a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. I have died and have been raised with Christ and now seated in heavenly places. I am dead to sin and alive unto righteousness. I am a doer of the word. I meditate on the word all the day long. I'm not passive about anything, but I deal with all things in my life immediately. I take every thought captive unto the obedience of Jesus Christ, casting down every imagination and every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Yet this whole sermon exalted itself against the knowledge of God by twisting God's word. I'm a responsible person. I enjoy responsibility and arise to every responsibility in Jesus. I have been set free. I am free to love, to worship, to trust with no fear of rejection or of being hurt. I have compassion and understanding for all people. I catch the devil and all of his deceitful lies. I cast them down and choose rather to believe. Yeah, if you were catching the devil and all of his deceitful lies, uh, you wouldn't have spewed the lies that you did in the sermon the word of God. I am anointed a God for ministry. Hallelujah. 
Work is good. I enjoy work. Glory. I have a teachable spirit. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I do what I say I will do, and I get where I'm going on time. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Therefore, yeah, that that verse is out of context too. All of my thoughts are positive. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I am slow to speak, quick to hear, and slow to anger. I don't speak negative things. I cast out devils and demons. Nothing deadly can hurt me. I never bind a sister or brother with the words of my mouth. I edify and build up. I never tear down or destroy. I will cry to God most high who performs on my behalf and rewards me. No rebellion operates in me. I make godly decisions. I use my time wisely. No rebellion operates in me, says the female pastor, uh, when God's word forbids that. My prayer and study time is wisely spent. I walk in the spirit all the time. All that I own is paid for. I owe no man anything except to love him in Christ. I love to bless people and spread the gospel. I'm an intercessor. I'll study the word of God. I will pray. I, 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 I. And that's the problem. Do not hate or walk in unforgiveness. I do not fear. I am not guilty. Can I hear an amen? No, you cannot because you are guilty. You're guilty of teaching false doctrine, of deceiving people and filling their heads with absolute nonsense and twisting God's word. (sighs) Yeah, um, that is the end of that sermon. We've heard enough of it. Did you hear about Christ and him crucified for our sins? Uh, Were you uh, taught sound doctrine? No. Your eyes were taken off of Christ and put firmly on yourself. You are a king rather than Jesus really truly being king. Wow. Make yourself into your own God. Yeah, and you even have the power to speak things into existence. Yeah, aren't you so wonderful? Yeah. Scripture doesn't teach this. Scripture teaches you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you are guilty. You need to repent, and you need to be forgiven by the shed blood of Christ for you on the cross. We didn't hear any of that. (sighs) Absolutely deplorable and depressing. What did you think? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com. You can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ, by carious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.